thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. Uh, good morning. You may notice I have, uh, I have some special people up front um, this morning. And just before I, wow, hecklers. No, fans, fans. Yeah, it's a fine line though, isn't it? <laughs> really, my experience. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd take the opportunity before we dive into God's word this morning. Um, this is the Ventrescas, and Nick and Christiana uh, had their boys up here uh, this morning, which is awesome. Uh, Colin and James, yeah, we don't know where they are. Um, but uh, this is Nick's uh, last Sunday as a member of our staff. And Nick has uh, been on staff here uh, for about four years, most recently as uh, our connections director. And really grateful for this family, thankful for the impact uh, that they've had, that Nick has had in that particular role, working with our host teams, working, uh, reaching out into our community in special ways. And so you read through some of those changes, but you know, really about uh, 10 years or so ago, God really laid uh, his hand upon uh, these guys as a couple and not sure what that meant, still maybe not sure what that means, um, but taking that step of faith and obedience, some risk involved always in that, but to step out uh, and to what God has next for them um, in the area, uh, in ministry. And so I, I just wanted to recognize and give thanks for you guys and also just pray a prayer, a blessing. Uh, really, this is an opportunity for us to continue to partner in the gospel, to continue to partner, uh, to share uh, the love of Christ with people, and that uh, we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. We're still a part of his family, and we're still called to serve him, even as we send you out into some new work. Um, so let, let me just pray uh, for you guys and ask that you would, you would join me in this. Uh, Father God, just uh, I'm so thankful for uh, you and for the way you work, and, and, and knowing that you know, the local church is not like a reservoir that you dam up, but it's really a river that flows and, uh, and so I thank you for a season and for a reason to bring Nick and Christiana and their two boys um, and, and really uh, able to grow them up and to use them and, and, and to pour out yourself into their lives, uh, even as they have poured themselves out for your name's sake into our lives as a church body. So we rejoice and give thanks for uh, the ways in which you have gifted them and called them, uh, the passions that you have uh, instilled within them, uh, for you and for the things of your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would, uh, you would bless them in a way that they would overflow with wisdom and knowledge. They would overflow with the abundance of resources that you might provide for them to, to step out into what's next. Make that abundantly clear for them and for us. God, I, I pray that your arms would be around uh, Colin and James and Christiana and Nick, uh, drawing them close to one another, close to you, and so that then they might serve you with all their hearts. So God, we love them and we thank you for uh, the ways in which they have blessed us. And in exchange, uh, God, would you bless them and would you use them? Would you, would you uh, inspire them in such a way that God, we would just uh, we'd be able to celebrate together even in seasons where like, what is going on? But we'd be able to celebrate um, in, in the rearview mirror, kind of like, that's you, God, that's you, that's you, and that's all about you. So we give you praise, honor, 
and glory for these, your servants, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You want to preach, Nick? No. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All right. So we're we're in um, we're in week three of a uh, sermon series entitled First Things First," and we're focusing on the Great Commandment. Those familiar words that Jesus he, he took and, and he pulled, quoting from Deuteronomy six five, and he repeats them each time in each of the Gospels for us, using slightly different words. But it's this: Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. What's the most important thing that we can do with our lives? Jesus left little doubt. It was to love God. You want, I want, we want 2021 to be better. And it, it may not be, guys. It may not be circumstantially, but it can be. We can have a richer and a fuller and a more meaningful and purposeful 2021, a more meaningful and purposeful life if this goes in the bucket first, if, if this is at the top of the list, if this is at the center of everything else. Love God. Love him with all that you feel and all that you think and all that you are and all that you do. And all means all. It's not love of self plus love of, of money plus love of country plus love of, of family. If we have an all-out love for anyone or anything other than the Lord, that's called idolatry. There are a lot of good things, uh, things that we should love, that are good for us to love in our lives. But if you really want to love others well, love God first. Love God best. Love God the most. How many of you want to know how to do that better? Me too. To experience and to express more of the power of God's love, uh, the impact and the wonder and the awe of loving God, the God who first loved us. Because we are in many ways, we are, we are the, just the sum total of, of all of our commitments uh, so if we are able and desirous of becoming more and more like Jesus, and that is the ultimate goal of the Christian life, that is the, the work of the Spirit in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus, that means we need to be more and more in love with Jesus. This morning, uh, our focus from the great commandment uh, is loving God with all of our strength. And in the Hebrew uh, the word strength, it means muchness, muchness. And in Greek, it means the ability to overcome. And so if we could just take those two thoughts, those two, those two definitions, and we could overlap them, uh, we might be able to think about strength this way. It's the ability to overcome using the muchness, the fullness, the power of God in our lives. Uh, loving God by doing the will of God, loving God by accomplishing the work of God, loving God by resisting the enemy and overcome the, overcoming the excuses and the obstacles that keep us from that lovely relationship that keeps us from God himself and, and all the fullness of making sure that it is, it is God himself who receives all the glory and the honor and the praise. Loving God with 
all of our strength, that's from the inside out. This is where what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, our heart and our soul, where that comes out. This is the doing of agape love. This is the willful and thoughtful decision to put love into action. This is not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word, loving him with our strength. We can all find ourselves in that religious camp of rules and regulations, of reading and studying and listening, but not putting it into practice. We, we can know about God, right, without really knowing God. We can be religious zealots for God. We can be noisy gongs and clanging cymbals, but have not love. And so we may need to, from time to time, take a spiritual audit of all that we have sown and that which we reap, to do that in our individual lives and to do that as a church body and to do that as a nation. As we are reminded and reprimanded really in 1 Corinthians 13, that without love, we are nothing. Without love, we, we have nothing. We can do nothing. Last week, we saw some people storm our nation's capital holding some of them Jesus signs. In the name of Jesus spewing hatred and engaging in violence. There's a, a, a lot of noise, as you know, there's, there's noise of armed protests planned for this week around our country. I want you to know that I, I, I do not believe from God's vantage point that these are acts of strength, but really of cowardice. And it certainly doesn't represent the Jesus I know, the Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that we love, the Jesus who rules and reigns with justice and in peace and in love. Jesus said in, in John 13, these familiar words, right? They will know that we are Christians by what? This is interactive when I, when I stop. <laughs> Everyone online shouted it, but you who are here in person, uh, you know it. They'll know we are Christians by our Love, not by taking up our sword, but by laying it down, by loving our neighbors, especially those who are numbered among the last and the least and the lost. It says we're to love even our enemies. Not by repaying evil with evil, but repaying evil with good, with love. Strength isn't about flexing our muscles and pushing for a position of superiority. It isn't stepping on or through or past others it isn't about being better. It isn't about being right. Love God with all your strength. We were created and we were commanded to love as he first loved us. So I want to share a couple of uh, biblical truths uh, this morning, tweetable truths that can incite a, a radical movement, a revival and transformation. Here's the first one. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we can just flip that and read it this way. I can do nothing apart from Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can do nothing apart from Christ. Part of loving God with all my strength is having a complete confidence in his strength. 
Uh, But let's be honest, how often uh, is our focus on what we can't do rather than on what he can do? Uh, Maybe you're not even sure if, you know, uh, you're going to make it through the day. Some of you, we have days, especially in the season, like, man, I I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the shower, and you're tired and worried and frightened and, and depressed and alone. Well, you're not alone. I want you to look at Paul's prayer for us in Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 20, this beautiful prayer that speaks, I believe, to us about the character of God and speaking into our lives when we feel like we're worn down. It says, I pray, Paul writes, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through, though it is too great to understand fully, Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Amen? That's a powerful prayer. That's an encouraging prayer because we're overwhelmed and insecure but we are because we are looking at what we can't do rather than standing on the character of God, acknowledging all that he is and all that he can do, all that he has promised for us, all that he pours out for us. So three things real quick about God. God's resources, from this passage, we see that God's resources are unlimited. They're unlimited. We, we, we run short, we run dry, but God never does. All these good gifts, all the riches of his glory, strength, for our day-to-day lives. God's resources, unlimited. God's ability is infinite. The root word in the bottom of the text, in that last verse, in verse 20, uh, is uh, from the text, that root word is, is super abundantly. But Paul didn't think that that was strong enough, that that was enough, so he stuck another word in there that means above and beyond. And then in front of that word, he stuck another word that, that means exceedingly. So Paul wrote that God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond, super abundantly, more than we ask or think. You get it? It's trying to make a point, right? That God's ability, it's infinite. It's infinite. God's resources, unlimited. His ability, infinite. And God's power is incredible. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, uses that same word power, and he said it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power is available to you and to I. We have access to resurrection power. See, if if God can raise the dead, what do you think he can do with us when we're feeling down, when we're feeling low, when we're feeling empty, when we're feeling lifeless and hopeless, when we have access to resurrection power? May God give us the power to understand, the power to understand how, how, how high and how wide and how deep his love is for you. God has all the power that you and I will ever need for all the problems and all the people we'll ever face. 
Martin Luther King Jr. said that the God whom we worship is not a weak and incompetent God, that he is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low, prodigious mountains of evil. The ringing testimony of the Christian faith is that God is able. God is able. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Tomorrow, uh, we've invited you as church leadership, we've invited you to a day of corporate prayer and fasting. Why? Because we understand that we are not able, but he is able to come before him and to acknowledge our need for him, to cry out to him, a God who is able abundantly. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That first point is just from God's word. And the flip side of that is also true. I can do nothing apart from Christ who strengthens me. Familiar words, right? That concept, John 15, Jesus is sitting with the disciples on the night uh, of, uh, before his crucifixion, and he shares this picture in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Why? Because from apart, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that will last, nothing of, of eternal significance, because if you cut the vine from the branches, what happens? It withers and dies, right? It's fruitless and pointless. It just withers and dies. So if I go uh, and, and I... Uh, uh, I may be stuck doing this now, but if I, if I go and I buy a dozen fresh-cut roses for my wife, Darcy, uh, um, yeah, so actually I was going to say, it's, I found out it's, it's Josh's wife's birthday today, so actually, if Josh goes out today and buys a dozen, but uh, uh, for you know, my wife's 29th birthday, um, that's coming up in, in like two weeks. But here's the deal, like, when I find, I mean, I'll, and I'll, I'll buy flowers. I buy flowers. She, nodded, she did this really big. I don't know if you didn't see it. But um, um, if I buy those flowers, here's the deal. Like, I'm, I'm giving something to represent my love, uh, our love that never fails, but I'm giving something that's going to wither and die. <laughs> what makes our relationship, our love grow and flourish is our commitment to stay connected, not just to one another, but also to Christ, right? To stay connected. And if we're not connected, if we're not connected, if we go, man, I want, a, I want a better, bigger, bolder love relationship with God, but we're not connected, how's that gonna happen? We don't remain in him. We don't stay connected to him. If we're not connected to the source of power, we're powerless. We need to remain, abide, to stay connected to Christ, to his presence and his, the power of God if we want to love God with all of our strength. These intertwined truths that help us build an all-out love for God are really summed up by Paul in Ephesians 6.10. He says, be strong, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul goes on in Ephesians 6, and, and, and he, in this context, he's saying that that um, the way that we are strong, to be strong, is that we, we put on the full armor of God. We suit up in Jesus every day. We put love into action. We, we take on his muchness, okay? We take on his muchness so that we can overcome and resist 
evil and persecution and hardship and hatred. It's not just God above us in power, but it's God, it's God beside us in power. It's God in us in power. Be strong in the Lord. Why? That's a rhetorical question. Right? Because we're not strong apart from the Lord. That's why. We need to understand that there is a tie between my weakness and God's strength. Let me, let me define weakness here. By weakness, I mean limitation. All right? It could be, could be physical, could be emotional, could be uh, uh, mental or circumstantial. Uh, weakness, uh, hear this, it's not sin. It's not bad behavior. That's not what we're talking about in this context. All right? It's limitations, and we all have them. But in spite of them, God really can't do anything through your life when you are connected to Christ. How? Here's my second point. A few more truths that work together. My strength pulls me away from God's strength. And again, on the flip side of that, my weakness draws me into God's strength. My strength pulls me away. My weakness draws me near. Let me illustrate with a couple of uh, familiar Old Testament characters, Samson. Samson uh, was a, a strong man. Um, he, he was capable of amazing feats of strength. And, and in fact, as we read the stories about Samson, right, we know that like, he, he took like, the, the, the jawbone of a, a donkey and he, and, he, and he killed a thousand men. Um, he was so strong, in fact, it says that he was so strong that when the spirit left him, he didn't even notice. Why? Because he was relying, he was living, he was dependent upon his own strength. The places in my life, and it's true for you, but the places in my life where I'm strong, those are the places that often I'm, I'm actually the most vulnerable. They actually are the places that become weaknesses when, they're, when I'm relying on them instead of the Lord. I can be drawn into relying on myself. I know because I've done it. I've done it. I've tackled problems and projects on my own. I've overcome obstacles in my own strength. And for a season years ago, I believe as I look back on that, that I was largely operating clearly in my own strength and not the Lord's. And, and, and here's the deal. No one even noticed. I didn't even notice until it was too late. And the bottom dropped out of my life. Our strength... Our strength can draw us away from God's strength. And ultimately, our strength, it has limits to it, and it's limiting. Let's just do the flip side. I'll put the two up there, that second part. But the flip side of this is Gideon, another example. Here's a guy who's very weak, right? So weak that God finds him hiding out from his enemies in a wine press. He's hiding out. He's terrified. And God finds him, and he says, Hey, you, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. He's hiding out in a wine press, and God calls him a mighty warrior. God has a sense of humor. Uh, and God takes this guy cowering, hiding out in the wine press, and, and, and he's going to send him into battle. And we know how that story works. He, he limits Gideon even further. He weaves out and, and whittles down his army to a group of 300 men. Gideon is terribly outnumbered. He had limitations, but through that weakness, God put his power on display. Gideon never even had to fight the fight, right? The enemy ran away confused and afraid. My strength, it pulls me away, but my weakness, it can draw me in. 
These two parallel truths are a cycle that I think they often repeat themselves in our lives. At least they, they have in mind. And, and, and here's how it works. I feel weak. I feel it. I feel weak. I feel overloaded and overwhelmed or whatever it is that I'm feeling you know, in my body or in my spirit or in my mind. And, and, and I, I turn in that weakness and I depend upon God and, and, and he strengthens me. And I feel strong. And what do I do with that? Well, I start to depend upon myself. And then guess what happens? I begin to feel weak again. And it starts all over. How do we break that cycle? I think the key, what I'm trying to learn and apply is this. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're down to look up. We're, we're, we're weak, and that's not going to change. But the source and the substance and, and, and the focus of our trust needs to. Loving God with all my strength is humbly and faithfully living in a, a constant state of dependence and trust upon the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, it says, He, God, gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And this is an introduction to uh, some really familiar words, a popular passage. In the next verse, he says, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God receives those who place their trust in their dependence and their hope in him, and he helps them. He, God helps the weak. When we acknowledge that we're weak, God empowers the weak. God is able to take my weakness, in fact, and turn it into a strength. God's power grows and is perfected, in fact, in my weakness. One of my uh, all-time favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. This is Paul, and we know he's wrestling with what he describes as this thorn in his flesh, and we're not completely sure what it is, but but it's something uh, probably of a physical limitation that the Lord, uh, while he's asked, and he's asked and he's prayed that the Lord has not removed from him. And so after he prays and asks, uh, he, he, he says this. He says, each time, this is God's response, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so now I, back to Paul, he said, now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why, I, in fact, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul did uh, a couple of things in the face of weakness in his life. First, he did pray for them to be removed, and, and that's okay. We can do that. We can ask. We can pray for the Lord to remove those, and he might do just that so that his power is put on display. But the second thing that Paul did was, was, was when that wasn't answered that way, he, he boasted about those weaknesses. He rejoiced in them. He took pleasure in them, in what God could do in spite of and even in the midst of his weaknesses. I think Hebrews 11 is a good guide here for us. It says that by faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. But it says also on the flip side, by faith, others were killed by the sword. 
By faith, some stopped the mouths of lions, and by faith, others were sawn in two. By, by faith, some were mighty in war, and in, in faith, others were chained and imprisoned. You get it? God's design is to make you a showcase of Jesus' power, but not necessarily in the way that the market demands. Not by getting rid of all of our weaknesses. He's capable of doing that. He can do that. But often he doesn't do that. But instead it's by giving strength to endure them. And even to rejoice in tribulation. Now we could spend a lot of time here, but I, I think part of what's going on is, is we need to understand God's purpose, God's larger design behind these weaknesses. It's, in part, it's to humble us. It's to put us in a place where we acknowledge what's true, that we need God, right? To humble us. And second, God's purpose is to glorify Jesus through us. So it's not that people are looking at us to see how strong we are, but they're looking right through us and they're going, man, I can't believe what that person is capable of saying and doing in the face of such struggle and challenge, it must be God. It must be God. Who else could it be? We can rejoice in God's ability to take weak people, to take people like me and people like you and use us to do amazing things. Again, that's how God gets the glory. And his power is put on display. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. As we could all use a little more humility, a little more honesty, and a little more Jesus. A lot more. Living in the knowledge that any power that we have, any abundance, any muchness that we have, that it comes from God and not ourselves. That we are clay pots. We are weak vessels. But there is a treasure that God has poured out by his spirit in us. Psalm 103, it says, the Lord remembers that I am dust. God knows we're weak. But again, hear this, God loves to love dust. <laughs> Needy people, broken people. Priscilla Shire tweeted this. She said, be encouraged. God is not mad at you because your body is tired and your mind is frayed or your soul is unusually heavy. Instead, he stands patiently ready to minister to you to work through those deficiencies and to nourish you as you recover from them. God loves to love broken people and he loves to use weak and flawed people. Again, because when God does, when he does that, and we see it throughout again and again and again, scripture, when he does that, when weak people do great things for God, there's no question, there's no question that it's God. Our limitations are not an obstacle for him to overcome, that he can't overcome. Rather, they are the very qualifications that he is looking for to display the wonders of his greatness and his goodness 
and his grace. To put on display really the kind of of power that moved Christ to the cross and kept him there until the work of love was finished. Paul said that Christ crucified was foolishness to to the Greeks. It was a stumbling block to the Jews, but to those who are called, it is the very power of God. God, God is able to do abundantly, abundantly more. So let, let your weakness, let our weakness draw us into his power and his presence. Pour out your heart. Love God with all of your strength, overflowing, overflowing with the fullness of Christ in you. I want to invite the worship team to come out and and uh, we're going to use this, this time really as a time of preparation as we prepare to come to the table today. A time to come and to remember and to celebrate uh, the sacrificial love of God in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to prepare your hearts to surrender your lives, to acknowledge your weakness, and to put your faith in a God whose love never fails.